Hey everybody, this is Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church Adelaide and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our preaching team. So we are in the third week of this Here's to the Dreamers and we've been learning about how we're actually all created to be creative. And even if you um, are in a job where you don't feel like you get to be all that creative. Uh, We are all created to be creative. And I'm going to press into that a little bit more tonight. So I have found as a mum that kids are really creative. So if you've ever put a child to bed, you will understand this. If you've babysat anyone and you've put them to bed, you understand how creative kids can be at bedtime. The amount of stories and things they can come up with about drinks, they need drinks, they're cold, they're hot, they're hungry, they're not tired, their doors open too far, their doors close too far, the light is on, the light is off. The, the list of creative ideas that they come up with for reasons as to why they don't have to go to sleep is honestly better than a feature film. And I've worked in the film industry for 17 years. It is so good. <laughs> And I have learned as well that I'm pretty creative as a mum. I have um, not so much, get, I don't get away with it as much now, and I should be careful because my son's actually in church tonight. But um, <laughs> Mike's putting him on something. But I learned that I was pretty creative with their bedtimes. Like, it's amazing how, how, what time 7 o'clock actually is. So if the sun goes down at 6.30, all of a sudden it's 7 o'clock. It's time for bed. It's amazing. I don't call it lying. I call it creativity. I'm not good at craft, and so that's my creative side. I am a pastor, and um, I love, absolutely love being a pastor. But before we started this church, um, I was working in the film industry for the last 17 years, and it's been a crazy journey. I have done some wonderful projects with some wonderful people, got to work on some major feature films and some awesome Adelaide um, small films as well, short films as well. But there's one thing about my industry that um, is it's fairly well known if you're in it or around it, in that it's, it's the kind of industry where the more you work, the more you're valued. The more you talk up yourself, the more you're admired. And the more you sacrifice for your job, the more people want to be like you. Ego in my industry is actually everything. You are encouraged to talk yourselves up. Because if you don't, you don't know if anyone else even will. It's a very interesting uh, industry, and I've had some have wonderful moments, but there was this one moment I was on set, um, on the set of a film, and I went to have lunch with the cast and crew, as you do, pulled out my plate of food, and I went and I sat down on the middle table, and I was like, cool, and nobody sat with me. Like, I was on my own, and I was like, I do not know what is wrong with me, this is weird. I'm not always on set, I don't know all the rules and regulations and everything else and whatever else, but I just wanted to eat, so I sat down. Um, and as I sat there, after a little while, the director came and he sat across from me, and then to my left, um, one of the main actors sat down, and then to my right, the other main actor sat down, and then, lo and behold, the whole table is filled with the actors and the director. And I realised at that point that possibly I was sitting on the actor's table, and... Um, they were beautiful, like they had great conversations with me um, and they were lovely and didn't, didn't talk about it. I was an assistant editor, so I was a nobody really on this film. Um, and it, it, even being an assistant editor, people don't even know who you are because you're in an office most of the time behind a computer. Anyway, when I finished lunch, I got up and I took my plate and someone came up to me and they said, how dare you sit down with the actors and the directors? Don't you know that's their table? And I said, no, I didn't really know. And they said to me, they said, you can't do that. You're not good enough to sit at this table. And I just thought, really? Really? 
Is that what our industry is about? And unfortunately, it really is. It's about who is the most important person in the room. And in the industry, egos are crazy. They can become huge. And it's not always the actors. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Um, but it's not always the actors. Now, in my industry as well, one of the things you have to be very careful of is people stealing your ideas. So there, I have most films that I work on, I sign a confidentiality agreement where I won't mention the film that I'm on. I'm not even allowed to take photos of any of the set. You're not allowed to post anything until after the film's released. Sometimes I'll post a picture of a black screen so I can just show people what I'm doing for the day because, you know, Instagram. I didn't Instagram it, did it actually happen? And, um, but you can't, you can't show it. And the reason for that is, is because people love to steal ideas. People love to take the credit for things. So the worry is, is that someone will put out a film just like yours with, and honestly, there has been times where, well, actually every time I get a script, it has my name across every single page. And the idea is if you share the script, they know where it came from. So everybody has their own individual script because people steal ideas. It's amazing how big people's egos are in the industry. It's amazing how important they think their jobs are. And in some ways they are, but we're not, we're not neurosurgeons. Um, and I, I tried really hard to be countercultural in the industry. So it's very easy to get a big head when you're in, in this industry. It's really easy uh, when you're around people who are talking themselves up to talk yourself up and to get this massive ego. And um, I tried to be as countercultural as I can. And it's interesting, when I'm not in the industry, uh, when I'm not on a job, should I say, my attitude and stuff changes. It's really interesting who you surround yourself with, how it affects um, who you are. And so you have to be a bit careful. Now, we just heard about Joseph. And I do wonder, we're going to find out in a little bit um, what happens in Joseph's life, but I do wonder if Joseph's future could have been a little bit different if he hadn't shared his dreams with his brothers like he did. Now, I know there are other industries um, where I'm, I'm sure it's similar, that you need to have a big ego and you need to push yourself in. Um, and I, look, I believe in excellence. I believe in doing your best in, in everything. Um, but there are industries where ego is all there is. Now, I, I want to firstly say that I think encouragement is amazing. I'm a big believer in encouraging people and um, lifting them up. But I think sometimes we can get to the point where we puff people up too much. Now, I've got a bit of an example of this tonight. I'm going to head down here and grab some props because I love props. For those who have seen me preach before, I do love a good prop. And I'm just going to get undressed on stage. Sorry, podcast listeners, I am not getting undressed on stage. I'm just taking my jacket off. You guys can see that. They can't. <laughs> so I think, so firstly, I think, I think good encouragement is, is necessary. I think good encouragement feels like a really nice cardigan, right? You put it on when there's a breeze and you feel great. When someone gives you a word of encouragement, they tell you how well you've done at something, you actually feel fantastic. You know, you're not overheated. You just, you just feel good. And that's really good. It's so important in our culture, in our world, that we are encouraging people. And then there's another kind of encouragement. I call it a leather jacket encouragement. When you put on a leather jacket, you feel a bit powerful. There is something about leather, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But there are times when people will build you up to the point where you might start to think, oh, I am pretty good, aren't I? 
Like, hey, I'm pretty strong. Now, that's not a bad thing. I don't think this ego is necessarily a bad thing. We can think that we are strong, we are gifted, and we are graced, and we are created to do great and wonderful things. And it is a great thing when you believe that. But sometimes when we get to the point where people just speak so much um, encouragement, and not even just encouragement, people speak so much, um, so much into your life about who you are, that you start to think, oh, maybe I am. Maybe I am great. Maybe I am just pretty good. That's not necessarily a bad thing. This ego isn't necessarily a bad thing. But then I like to talk about the puffer jacket ego. I had to borrow Tom's puffer jacket because mine didn't fit me over the top of two jackets. Oh, it's super hot. The, <laughs> this is a good jacket. But I like to call the puffer jacket ego the one where people will come up to you and they'll give you words of what might seem like encouragement, but really they're just trying to, they're just trying to make you toot your own horn. Essentially, they're building you up to the point where you think that actually you're better than everybody else. That you know what, actually I don't need anybody else. I am amazing, just as I am. Do you know what, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter if it hurts you because I'm created to be all that I'm created to be and that doesn't matter what, what happens to you, right? There is a point when you listen to those around you too much and you allow them to speak things into your life that aren't, and they're not, they're not always bad. Sometimes they're really good. But sometimes they're just about how centered, how self-centered you can be. And that's kind of the world we're living at the moment, a puffer jacket where you're actually expected that this is the kind of persona you're going to give off, that this is the kind of ego that is actually really healthy and good. You know, the ego that doesn't care about anybody else. And I want to say tonight that I actually don't believe that the puffer jacket ego is what God's calling us to live like. Perhaps it's the leather jacket one, or perhaps it's the cardigan one. And I want to chat a little bit about that tonight. I am going to put my jacket back on, though. This is a fake leather jacket, so I couldn't use this one. So <laughs> the other one was a birthday present. And it is real leather and it's amazing and I love my girlfriends for it. So, I guess the question I want to ask you guys tonight is, do you see yourself as the most important person in the room? Is who you are revolved around what you do as a job? Do you see others as less than you? Do you sometimes, and maybe it's only sometimes, look down on people or judge them based on your own experiences? Tonight we're looking at the book of, of Joseph, we're looking at the book of Genesis, but in verse 37 we hear about Joseph's story. And I want to delve into the scripture tonight. So if you've got it, you can pull it up. Um, but otherwise, I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about Joseph and his life. Can you chop me my water down there, Jeremy? Thank you. Um, so Joseph was 17 when we're hearing about his, his dreams and he's telling his brothers about his dreams. He was 17. He had, thank you, he had 10 brothers and one half-brother. No, sorry, ten half-brothers and one full-brother. And there was four mums in this story, which is um, a lot. Made me think of um, Ben's story from before. And Joseph is the most loved uh, son by his dad. Now, the reason he's the most loved son by his dad is um, because he was the firstborn of his mother, Rachel. So Rachel and Leah were both married to Jacob, and Leah was able to have children, and, and Jacob had to marry Leah first. You can go back in Genesis and read this, but he had to marry Leah first, um, 
and to eventually be able to marry Rachel, who he really, really loved. And Leah was able to have children. She had a fair few children. Um, and Rachel wasn't. And eventually, Rachel conceived and gave birth to Joseph. And so Joseph became the favorite son. His dad loved him so much that even made him this amazing, beautiful coat. You, probably some of you have seen the musical. Um, about It kind of looked something like that. It probably wasn't that bright because I don't think they had colors that bright. And that's not because they're it was all in black and white, like you imagine on TV. It's just this is what I read. That's not probably not quite that bright. Um, so I think his brothers, they actually didn't really like him for two reasons. One, they were jealous of him, the way in which his dad loved him. And secondly, he was a snitch, right? Oh, even Jacob, in verse 14, which is a little bit further on, his dad sends him out to go and spy on his brothers and bring back news. So he was known as a snitch, and his brothers hated it. Charlie and Grace do this, and I just think, why? Like, it's not going to win you any friends, and it didn't win his brothers any love. And then Joseph has some dreams, and he thinks it would be a great idea to tell those brothers who already don't like him about these dreams. So the first dream, it says, he says, We were building sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now the brothers were furious at this idea that they would bow down to him. Now, you have to understand that in that culture, the father was the head of the household, but the firstborn son was the one that was going to take the rights um, to the father's, uh, to the inheritance, to the land, to everything that was owned. And, and what this here is meaning, it's meaning that the brothers, that he, sorry, that Joseph was going to be given that right over the brothers. Now, that would have made them furious because that was their right. That's what they were gifted as being the firstborn. And so that would have made them super mad, right? Right now, they already don't like him because they're jealous of him, that he's a snitch, and now he's got this dream about how that he's going to take away all their great things that they're going to get. And then because he's just in such a good place, he has another dream, and he decides to tell them about that dream. <laughs> So his second dream, he said, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moons and the 11 stars were bowing down to him. Now his parents are going to bow down to him. And even his father, who desperately loves him, rebuked him and said, I, like, what? I'm going to bow down to you? He's the father. The fathers don't do that. That's not what fathers do. One time, Charlie might not remember this, but he was four, and Mike was talking to him, and he looked at him and he said, Bow to me when you speak to me. <laughs> True story, he really did. Um, I'm really hoping that he learned it from a TV show. We didn't bow down to him, and we told him that we probably wouldn't, in the same way Jacob said that to Joseph. The truth is, for, for, Jacob, for jo Jacob to even bow down to Joseph would mean that Joseph had to be at the level of almost a king or, or in line with that kind of, kind of thing. So he was saying that he was going to actually become a king or, or, or almost that high. Now, why did Jacob think it was a great idea to share these dreams with his brothers and his parents? Was he naive or did he have a huge ego from being called the most loved and being called the most special, for being given all these gifts? Possibly. 
Essentially, I wonder if he was spoiled to the point that he felt that he was better than everyone else. That his ego had, had got that puffer jacket kind of ego I was talking about. So as we read on in the chapter, and you can do that when you get home, but his brothers were so mad they tried to kill him. And luckily, one of his brothers, Reuben, didn't want him dead. So instead, they sold him into slavery. And they told his dad that he was dead. Now, we know that God can make good things out of bad. Well, if you don't know that, I hope you learn that tonight, that he can. And we see as the story goes on that Joseph becomes second to the king. But I do wonder if his journey could have looked a little bit different if perhaps the ego of a 17-year-old wasn't quite so big. Your ego can propel you or it can hold you back. Ego is not always a bad thing. If you've ever seen um, uh, Grey's Anatomy, there's a scene where one of the main characters, she stands with her hands on her hip like this and she calls it her superwoman pose and she stands like that for a minute right before she goes into surgery. And if you Stand up and do that. I'm not going to make you do it now. But if you stand up and do that, it actually does make you feel kind of strong. But if you stand there like this for a minute and you feel so strong and you walk in those surgery doors and you perform surgery on someone and you're not a doctor, it doesn't matter how big your ego is, someone's going to be in big trouble. (laughs) So how do you know if you have an unhealthy ego, an ego that's going to cause you to do something like that? I've got four points tonight. The first one. You know you have an unhealthy ego when we're upset at other people's success. When we can't celebrate other people's. I hate it when people have old successes that they feel the need to like point out when you do something well. Like as an example, what if like someone in our congregation won a massive award, uh, a 40 over 40? And I think, and then someone else in our congregation decided that they'll share about their award that they won in 2006 as Miss Teen Tunarama. That would be super annoying. But seriously, we need to celebrate when someone wins. We need to cheer them on. And if you're not able to do that, I think it's a time that we need to check our ego. Check where we're at with that. Can I encourage you, if someone wins, say congratulations. If someone gets that promotion that you wished you had, say congratulations. Because at some point, you're going to get that promotion and you're going to want them to say congratulations as well. And we don't need to be sore losers. This is my first point. My second point is you, need, you know you need your ego checked when you direct everything back to yourself. This can actually be a sign of low self-esteem as well, but most of the time it's a sign that our ego is just popping out. You know, then the conversations go something like this, you know, Jenny, on the weekend I got to sail this boat and I was like, I had the rudder and I was driving it and everything and it was amazing. And then the other person turns around and they're like, yeah, when I was young, I got to try boats like every Saturday. It's what I did on the weekend. You know that person that has to bring everything back to themselves? Firstly, it's really annoying. Don't do it. But secondly, it's common and normal to want to be able to relate to people, but it's not healthy to try and um, direct everything back to yourself. Sometimes people need to just be heard. Sometimes they just want you to listen and celebrate with them. So don't direct everything back to yourself. And if you are doing that, maybe we need to look at your ego. Number three, you're always craving 
success and affirmation. The need to feel appreciated is normal and it's actually healthy. We all want to feel that our contributions are recognised and valued, but an unhealthy ego takes us to another level by needing to feel valued, needing excessive acts of, of recognition and respect. If you need other people's recognition and success, if you need other people's opinions on that, then you need to check your ego. On this note, when you crave, when you crave the recognition of God and only God, you find yourself fulfilled and satisfied like no other person in your life can ever encourage you. Honestly, I have to be careful when people build me up too much. I mean, people do that to pastors all the time. I have to make sure that I don't let it get to me, that I actually praise God for all the good things that is given, for all the doors that is open. And I have to make sure that I get my success and my affirmation from God, not from anything else. And my final point of this bit is, number four, when you're always being defensive... Do you know those people with big egos that will fight you to the death? I don't mean physically, I mean with words. <laughs> but they will. They'll get defensive when, they, when you say they are wrong. And defensive when they feel like they know more than you. Now, do you know what? This is my big one. This, I get defensive. This is the area that I actually have to lay down before God all of the time. And I have to recognize that God gives gift, gifts and knowledge to a lot of different people, and that's amazing. And do you know what? Can I tell you that my favorite leaders are the ones that lead really strongly, but they also know when someone else has a great idea and they're able to hand that over and to encourage and empower that person to do that, that actually shows a great leader. And they're the people that I want to work, I want to work with and that I want to listen to. Their egos are in good check. So now we know how we might need to check our egos. How do we get a healthy ego? Well, firstly, I think we have to go back to the understanding of who is God. I titled my message, and it's not up there, but I titled my message, um, Is Your God Bigger Than Your Ego? Because this is really what it comes down to. When you think of God, is he bigger than yourself? Where is his place in the pecking order in your life? Who gets the final say in your life? Do you ask God before you make decisions? Now, if you don't know God here in this place, I'm going to give you a free pass here. But if you confess to follow Jesus, we need to be asking ourselves this question, is God number one in my life. People ask me if I love Jesus more than I love my kids. And the answer is yes. I love my kids more than anything after Jesus. But I love Jesus more than anything else in this world. If God is who he says he is, if he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, if he created the universe, if he created you and he created me, then he has to be my number one in life. I've had people slam me for this 
honestly. But I love Jesus more than I love anything else in the world. And so I'm actually okay if they can't understand this. God is the one who breathed life into me. He's the one that breathed life into you. And he wants us to live in connection with him. To know God is to know truth. When we know God, we can actually have a really healthy ego. Like I said, ego doesn't always have to be bad. Because when you know God, you know that he's the ultimate creator. This whole series is how you and I are created to be creative. But God has created you to do that because he's already created. I love Solomon says in the scriptures, there is nothing new under the sun. And what I think he's saying there is God is the most creative thing, being whatever you want to call him, that ever lived and ever will live. He's always been around. He's created everything. So to say there is nothing new under the sun doesn't mean that you can't create on this earth. But what it does mean is that God has given you that ability to create that. He has given you that idea. He has given you that purpose. He has given you that, 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 that thing that you need to do, that only you can do. He has given you that. And when we thank God for the ideas that he has given us, when we say, actually, God, do you know what? That, that was not mine. That was actually yours. When we do that and we start to put praise on God, then we start to get a really healthy ego. When we understand that he is the ultimate creator, we stop thinking that we are the important ones and we start thinking that he is the most important one. Do you know the more you praise God, the healthier your ego will be. When something good happens and you give praise to God, I can tell you, you will get a healthy ego and more than that, you will actually see success that other people can't even understand. And the reason for that is, is that God has gone before you. And when you understand that God has gone before you, when you understand that he's the one that opens up doors, you actually push more. You actually push harder into things because you know that it's God that is going to open the next door. You know that he's the one that's going to give you all that you need to do that, all that he has created to do. You have a confidence that is actually really healthy. And the world needs more Christians who understand that God has gone before them and he is paving a way in whatever you in particular are called to do. Your part of being creative in this world is different to mine, and that is amazing. It is a privilege to serve a creative God. It's a privilege to serve a God who simply wants a relationship with us. He actually wants to do it with us. I know people who have loads of money, people that I would call extremely successful, and for a lot of them, they're not in a great place the ones that I know. And it's actually, people say it's about the money, but it's not about the money. It's about the fact that they've only got themselves. And the truth is, when you know God, you have more than just yourself. That success isn't something that you even try and attain to. It's something that you simply do because you're walking in line with God. And He creates you to be successful in the areas that He wants you to be. He will open up doors for you to do things. And he will close doors when he needs to close doors as well. Closed door, my friends, is not always a bad thing. A closed door means that God wants to open up something else in your life. Be excited for that. If we want real meaning in life, then we have to truly submit our lives to God. 
Luke 16 verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. I would love us tonight to know that true success in life is not having it all, but it's really knowing the one true God. It's submitting our lives to him and trusting that he has all that we need to do, all that we are called to do. We read about Joseph's dream, but as the story goes on, he is sold into slavery, he gets put in prison, and eventually after many, many years, he comes out of prison, he interprets the king's dream, and he gets put into a really high place of authority after many, many years. And when his brothers come to see him, long time later. He has two choices. He can get revenge and have them killed for the fact that they tried to kill him. And many people be like, you know what? An eye for an eye, right? Or he can choose to forgive them. A person who, put God, who puts God first knows that a healthy ego says, yes, I'm in, I'm in power, but forgiveness is the greatest power of all. You set yourself free when you set someone else free from forgiveness. The greatest show of forgiveness that we ever have seen is when Jesus died on that cross so that you and I can have a relationship with God. So that the things we've done that aren't in line with what he wants us to do, that we can be completely forgiven and have a relationship with God. We are lifted up because he humbled himself enough to die for you and I. Jesus was perfect and he didn't sin. Yet he had the healthiest ego of anybody that's walked this earth. He knew God and he did what he was put on this earth to do. We can have a healthy ego and do what God is calling us to do. Today is Pentecost, and it's a day that God sent the whole, his Holy Spirit to people. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to fill us. God didn't send Jesus, take Jesus away, and leave us to fend for ourselves. No, through Jesus on the cross, we can have a relationship with him, and through the Holy Spirit, we can be filled with his power. Know that you need God in his rightful place at the head of your life if you want to have a healthy ego and a successful life in him. Today, I want to say to you, if you don't know of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit, you can receive it. If you don't know the love of Jesus, you can accept it. If you need the forgiveness of God, you have it. Take your eyes off yourself and place it on God. He will be the one to set you free. He will give you an ego that helps you live in the way that he has for you, in the plans that he has for you. I wonder if some people here need to repent of taking the glory that God deserves. Maybe we need to let God refocus us on what he wants for our lives. We have a God who loves us and who wants us to flourish. He wants you to use the creativity you were given for his glory. 
He will go before you and help you in this if you simply trust him. As we sing, can I encourage you? God is not a God who condemns you. No, he convicts you, maybe, but it's simply to free you. Watch your life explode in joy and true meaning when you put God in the rightful place in your life. He is the ultimate creator and he has created you to create knowing he has gone before you. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. For more information and resources, please check out our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Have an amazing day. God bless.